What if ideas had people rather than people having ideas? My mother and I were watching a Hodorowsky movie that doesn't exist. Jason Lee was in it, and there were people hanging out with him by a beer cooler talking about COVID and conspiracies of control. At one point, a child pointed out a raggedy looking version of Donald Trump walking down the street, and folks were like, oh look, it's Donald Trump. But it actually wasn't. It was a businessman on the phone trying to get help for a young man in a burning building. Then an adolescent boy showed up on that same street corner with Hodorowsky's tarot book and looked across the way at a wooden house and he said, I found the tarot reader. Then his arm got cut off by a falling saw blade and out of the wound came blood, metal pipes, and pages of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And they all coagulated in a pond that dried up and that's where my mother and I had to walk to exit the wooden theater. conspirators of wonder and welcome back to round two of the beautiful mutants space cast a space cast about art songwriting magic but most of all about the imagination and the survival of the imagination and the relevance of the imagination to our survival as a species in general for indeed, nothing that human beings have created in the material world can come into material manifestation without having existed in the imagination first. My name is Dusty Santa Maria, and I am happy to be hosting this uh, strange new hobby of mine. <laughs> Today's episode is about storytelling. Next to silence, stories are the most divine form of communication. Stories are alive. Stories are holy. Stories are gods that create universes and the creatures and characters that populate them. Stories bring to life all the triumphs and tragedies imagination and experience can summon to the mind. Stories speak directly to our souls. Stories are magic. Those are the opening words of the book Low Magic by the great scholar, magician, and teacher Lon Milo Duquette. I work part-time at a occult store here in New Orleans, and when it's slow, I thumb through that book and I read it behind the counter. 
and I know that there are cameras on me so that my bosses can watch me, but I will state here, I just don't care. It was long ago observed that our society runs on the principle of fake video cameras. If you can convince people that they're being watched all the time, you don't really have to watch them. Hence, these hundreds of cameras on the ceilings of fucking box stores like Target and Walmart or whatever the fuck. Maybe only one of them is ever on at a time. So just remember, keep watch at the door of your mind. But yes, today's episode is about storytelling. As my great teacher, Antero Ali, once observed, the universe is not made of atoms, it is made of stories. And I couldn't agree more. Human beings are the meaning-making creature, our main faculty in existence since the dawn of time is to make meaning of our experience. Just as a spider weaves a web, or as a squirrel harvests nuts, human beings make meaning. And the most potent way of making meaning for ourselves and for our greater community is good storytelling. That, indeed, in my humble estimation, is the primary function of the artist. Assisting in saving the world by saving the soul of the world with better storytelling. The title of this week's episode. No more dystopian narratives. Look where that got us. <laughs> uh, tell stories of many unified people and of a recovering biosphere. Tell stories of a healthy planet to live on. Write the world you want to live in and then live there. The story creates the system, but we create the story. How we play is what we win. This will be a solo space cast, by the way. I hope you all enjoyed my chat with my friend Gahiji Akil Lumumba last week. And I so very much look forward to having other guests in conversation here on the SpaceCast. Um, it's been a great honor of mine to have met so many brilliant, far-thinking, anarchist-minded, beautiful mutants in my time as a touring musician and songwriter and just the way the universe works magically. These people come into my periphery to show me the way and teach me, and, and this is the way of life. We need one another. We absolutely need one another, and I want to honor the magnificent teachers that I have had by shooting the shit with them here on the SpaceCast. Oh, and by the way, I recognize that if you did listen to last week's SpaceCast, and I sure hope you did, um, I fucked up. I said that the song Agnes Day was going to be attached at the end there, but uh, because I'm learning the gear and yada, 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 the shit wasn't attached, and so I will include it at the end here, and it will be here, I assure you. So as it is spoken, so mote it be. 
Agnes Day is a um, powerful song that I wrote maybe seven, eight years ago and recorded at the uh, Rose, the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon with, with my band, The Singing Knives. Um, in that band was the, was the sound engineer at the theater, and so we had this beautiful, empty, it's not an opera house, but it kind of looks like a, a you know miniature version of an opera house and we got to record three songs there in one evening and and that one for my money really takes the cake i i think that it's a powerful tune so that will be at the end of the space cast so i invite you to listen until the end the story that i would like to share with you dear listener is a mythopoetic memory of an ayahuasca journey in rural Mississippi. And I would like to caveat this with saying that this is in no way an advocation for taking plant medicines. Recently I've been working with um, therapeutic breathwork in the tradition of rebirthing. And I have to say that many of the profound visions that I had with this plant medicine journey were just as strong, if not stronger, in these breathwork sessions, which required no intake of any substance whatsoever, just conscious movement of one's own breath. And that blew my fucking mind, you know? As somebody who has um, kind of chased psychedelic experiences his whole life, just to know that you can access these states of consciousness with nothing other, you know, just your fucking body. All you have to do is be aware of, of what you already are and then and you can get as high as any chemical that you could put into your body um, on demand, at will. It was a pretty profound realization. Just remember, the body is the place and the only place where we live. It is where we experience time. It is where we heal from emotional trauma. It is the seat of consciousness, without which there is nothing. The body is the soul and solitary arena of our being. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by stressful circumstances and granted there are a myriad of them. Just sit with them and feel them. Feel them in the body, which has more wisdom than any library of books or the fucking internet. The evolutionary wisdom of the body. Let it process it. Just sit with it. Nature wants you to be healthy. The human body is perhaps the pinnacle of the entirety of evolution, and it knows how to heal itself. Just feel your feelings. Feel them for as long as it takes to process. You're going to be okay. The story I would like to share with you is called The Name of My God is Laughter. And it goes like this. I'm lying in the dirt on a beautiful plot of land in southern Mississippi. 
The first hint of morning sunlight begins to pour down like honey through the skeletal trees. It is the pinnacle of the Kali Yuga. Last night, I communed with the collective shadow through a ceremonial sacrament of yahe, or ayahuasca, commonly referred to as the medicine. I came to this ceremony with the sincere aim of better understanding how to help the broken story of our culture piece back together, how to serve my soul's code while simultaneously being of service to a world that is alarmingly, unprecedentedly sick and getting sicker. The global trauma of COVID and the chronic irresponsibility of divisive politics has been eradicating the status quo consensus reality of the overculture for months. And to be accurate, a hell of a lot longer than that. America's monstrous karma is here for us to examine, integrate, and indeed heal. I came to the medicine to ask what part I play in this massive hyperdrama. That which you seek is also seeking you. In my experience with the medicine, I died a thousand deaths and was reborn stronger every time I got exactly what I asked for. Part 1. Symbols are all. The earliest visions were brutal, but I followed them faithfully. It is widely understood that the images provided during these ceremonies are highly coherent and educational. Paying close attention to them often informs one's life profoundly a little later down the line. I saw groups of children in the ghettos of New Orleans getting their throats slit by invisible forces. A river of blood ran through the streets. Cops and bankers were mainlining the excrement of ancient demons, then sucking each other off until they ejaculated black oil. Orange flames of sunlight were incinerating the homes of the Seventh Ward, the neighborhood where I live. Mobs of hysterical people in masks were carving out their own hearts with shards of broken mirrors, screaming it was the fault of the reflected image in the mirror. The world was burning on all sides. A whispering voice of the collective human spirit began coursing through my nervous system. It had a clear, simple message. I'm sick. Please help me. Heal yourself and find the others. My job, as shown to me by the medicine, was to walk through this carnage, wrapped in a sphere of impenetrable white light and embrace the universe for what it truly is, loving emptiness. The first wave of violent images made me have to purge. I stumbled into the forest and asked for permission from any tree to receive my sickness. Immediately, without hesitation, one tree responded with a kind of psychic non-language, giving me the green light to go ahead and release my sick onto its roots. I fell to my knees and let it out. It felt like ejecting a goblin. My physical sensation shifted along with my mental perception, 
seemingly separate things that are in fact one in the same. The medicine was going deeper. I took keen observation of the position of my body. Hands stretched along the earth, knees firmly planted, and head bowed against the base of the tree as though engaged in devotional prayer, which in a significant way I was. From that posture, I also noticed for the first time the shape and structure of this lovely skeletal tree. Her trunk was strong but thin, with only four branches growing from its center, like two sets of the letter V stacked on top of each other approximately one foot apart. The tree looked remarkably similar to the sigil for creative work I had designed with a partner two years ago. A sigil, in short, is a symbolic representation of a desired outcome. Our sigil had been charged by sex magic and was working well within the context of our lives. The synchronicity of seeing our sigil in the environment was poignant. It would revisit me again later in the night. I walked back to the protected circle of the forest where my sleeping bag lay waiting for me. Next in my odyssey came the operation. Ayahuasca performs a literal surgery of sense perception at the molecular level. Every cell in my body was being rearranged. My consciousness altered dramatically. The point of the surgery was to align my physicality with the blueprint of my soul, what is often called the true will in magical communities. In tandem with the cellular reworking, I saw a chilling collage of projections. Some examples of a great multitude include getting kicked in the stomach a hundred times by Iranian soldiers with my organs pulsating accordingly, being gang-raped and pissed on by an egregore of angry teenage boymen while sweating, moaning, and off-gassing, getting executed in an electric chair at Angola prison with my skin simultaneously convulsing. A cellular reworking to change perception. Change perception and change all memory. The impenetrable circle of white light was still around me. There appeared to be multiple shooting stars in the sky and small blades of grass were dancing in the Mississippi mud. What happens in the subjective imagination is as real as what happens in the familiar physical world we all share. In fact, what happens on the material plane is just a single rung of a long ladder that stretches up to the stars and continues below into the underworld. And by underworld, I'm referring to the microscopic world of mitochondrial DNA, master of transformation, source of life itself. My operation felt like being fucked, giving birth, getting shot, shitting myself, yawning, orgasming, pissing, and vomiting, all at the same time. Essentially, it felt like what it is to have a body. To be born as infinite consciousness in a finite body that must die and decay, and within that process is the invitation into ultimate bliss, freedom, and happiness. True peace, as they say in Vipassana meditation. 
one word repeated on a loop, as if a needle stuck in the scratchy record player of my mind. The word was humility. To learn humility was my great quest on this mission. Indeed, it was what I asked for going into the ceremony. I had to grovel at the magnitude of the universe with my mouth filled with dirt, my teeth kicked in, my entire body broken, and say, my God, this is beautiful. I love it here. Then, and only then, would I know mercy. And mercy is real. Mercy is a love that responds to human need in an unexpected or unmerited way. Once you understand mercy, you're cooking with gas. This early experience I had with the medicine makes perfect sense to me due to the intentions I had set and meditated on for a week prior to going into the ritual. I've only lived in New Orleans a couple years, and I am largely unfamiliar with the rest of the American South. This ceremony took place in rural Mississippi at a glorious ecological landscape serving as home to an endangered tortoise that is pertinent to the local ecosystem. I understand clearly that I am a guest on this land. Although I have ancestors that trace back to South Louisiana, and although one of Woody Guthrie's most magnificent anthems assures me so, I had not as of yet felt that this land was my land. Paradoxically, however, I have always felt and continue to feel that this is my home. One intention I set prior to the ceremony was to better understand this land and be allowed to call it home. With that intention stabilized in my conscious and unconscious mind, it is no surprise that I had to get a visceral download of a morsel of the pain that has been suffered here. I had to understand its history, not intellectually, but in my blood. Part 2. The name of my God is Laughter. Laying in the dirt, atop a thin yoga mat and soiled sleeping bag, I felt my body being eaten by ants. The insect medicine was important. With each biting incision, I felt the ants injecting me with a secret knowledge of their species. Much of my ayahuasca experience was understanding contracts made by the human and insect world. Like a beggar on the street, a mosquito only asks for what little we can spare. Ants teach us about strength beyond size and how to work together as community. Spiders, or bees, have the potential to harm us but rarely do unless we react. Reactions are different from responses. Laying in a puddle of my own saliva, I watched a single ant investigate my backpack. The candlelight from the walking path flickered off its infinitesimal antenna. Mildly hypnotized, I observed the antenna spread open like a velvet curtain of a famous cinema to reveal the entirety of the cosmos reflecting back at me. Another shooting star shot across the midnight sky. The whole mechanism of existence was simultaneous, unbounded by time, and operating in the antenna of this tiny critter. My eyes grew to the size of twin moons, and I giggled chaotically. The universe has a sense of humor. The universe wants to play. It especially wants to play with conscious individuals. 
I had a full body fuck yes moment of gnosis then and there, understanding like never before the hermetic dictums, as above, so below, and every man and woman is a star. For a single cherished microsecond, my chattering mind merged with the all, and I experienced the truth in truth, the selfless self. A thunderous voice reverberated in my ears, providing the title for the words I'm reading now. The name of my God is Laughter. I blurted the phrase aloud involuntarily. The forest echoed back with the sound of singing frogs. The sigil I had seen earlier in the tree showed up again like a UFO. Other symbols of significance to my life were glimmering around it like star actors in supporting roles. The chaos sphere, the triangle, the letter X, and the Christian cross with its beautiful central meeting point of the vertical and horizontal axis. I suddenly knew that I needed more tattoos. <laughs> Mesmerized by this dance of hieroglyphs in the dark, I thought of a powerful archetype of my youth the spotlight above Gotham City that Commissioner Jim Gordon used to summon the Batman. I took a deep breath of profound understanding. The sigil that I had designed for my life was shining like the bat signal in the Mississippi night sky. What is the bat signal if not the calling of a hero into the heart of a story? I understood that life itself was calling me, and all of us for that matter, to step fully into the unique gifts of our dharmic path, and yes, dear reader, to become superheroes. Wake up and mutate. Upon inspection, it's comical how much of my Yahe journey and life in general bears close resemblance to a superhero origin story. From being bitten by insects that were in fact feeding me the gnosis of their consciousness, to enduring nightmarish violence in order to grow stronger. The myth of the superhero is so prevalent to my psyche. When I say we are to become superheroes, I'm not suggesting we all don S&M outfits and attempt to shoot lasers out of our assholes. It is curious how wearing masks in public now is an important social responsibility, though. The metaphor is in plain sight. All I mean is that we rise above our self-limiting stories of who we are and realize that human beings can, in fact, do anything. The old world is dead. A new one is beginning. Any life script we had written for ourselves prior to March 2020 is but a precious artifact in the Museum of Magic. To quote biologist Edward O. Wilson, the real problem of humanity is the following. We have Paleolithic emotions, medieval institutions, and godlike technology. And it is terrifically dangerous. And it is now approaching a point of crisis overall. One element of that equation we have total personal control over at street-level reality every day is to evolve our Paleolithic emotions to be equal to or greater than our godlike technology. Once we do this, we can quickly overthrow and renew the medieval institutions that are already crumbling. Reality is malleable and shaped by human belief. We can and we must live in right relationship with the earth. 
When we do, it's easy to recognize what a paradise planet this really is. A veritable Eden to experiment playfully with our newly discovered superpowers in the dazzling light show called consciousness. This is the medicine. The totality of the cosmos is one single organism. Love is the law. One is the other, and the two of them are no one. We must come out of this fucked up cocoon as marvelous butterflies once thought impossible. We are individuals and also not individuals. We are the ocean and we are the tide. Like fingers on a hand, we can separate but not divide. Well, if you're still with me, I'd like to thank you so much for listening to my story. The name of my god is Laughter. And that will conclude episode two of Beautiful Mutants. Thank you so much, my friends, for being here with me. Um, If you wish to contact me for any reason, if you want to be a guest on the show, or perhaps you have a suggestion, or heaven forbid a complaint about my heavy breathing into my cheap microphone or anything else, um, be gentle with the complaints, but but anything else. You you can get a hold of me um, on Instagram, Dusty Santa Maria at Instagram, or if you don't fuck with Instant Grandma, I applaud your discipline. Um, you could also email me at dustyisapyramid at gmail.com. Perhaps you want to come on the show and talk with me about the survival of the imagination. <laughs> and with that, I will leave you. Remember, seek teachings everywhere. Like a madman beyond all limits, go wherever you please and live like a lion without fear. Here's Agnes Day. Much love.
Will rise, we will be heard.